Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillon. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 87. So Parker, what's been up? So I've been working on the Pinheck. Uh, as a, always. Yeah, as always. Yeah, it's a never-ending quest to build the ultimate pinball platform, I guess. Yeah, the Pinatar. Well, no, that's the next version. Oh, you're not working on Pinatar this time. No, no. Well, Pinatar is after this revision of the Pinheck. Oh, okay. So one more revision and then a full rebuild? Full rebuild. Redesign. Like redesign from scratch. Ah, okay. Um, so this is this is the Pinheck Rev 8 end of the line. So we're actually calling it the end of the Pinheck ecosystem. Oh, the EOTL? Yeah. Um, so it, it has, it, this goes along with those Raspberry Pi 3 compute module boards that we built. Um, and I, I think a previous podcast, we have a picture of it like, grafted on it's like assimilating the pinheck board it's pretty cool um green wire madness yeah it's green wire madness because basically everything from the pinheck has to be jumpered over onto the compute module board and what i've been working on is basically putting the compute module sodium socket putting that on the pinheck um removing all the parts we're not using all that stuff but on monday i was doing all this work and I looked at the schematic, and basically the pinheck schematic is like six years of hacks and modifications to the schematic, and so it's all over the place. And like back then, I didn't really organize my schematics either. Like I was just like just plopping crap down and drawing right. it's lines. One big page, right? yeah, it's one big page, and so and you don't know where anything is at. Because we, ba- I was like, okay, I'm going to do the pick 32. I'm going to do this section, this section. And I just sprawled it out over the Eagle schematic page. Um, so I basically spent three hours on Monday after work organizing the schematic. And so now it looks like a proper schematic. It's still on one sheet. Because I don't really like dual sheets. Um, at least an Eagle. I, I, I just don't like it. Just not your thing. Yeah, so I like it have, but I like to organize it by blocks. Like this is the pick thirty two. This is the watchdog timer. This is the control circuitry for the solenoids. Like separate right, all put that them stuff in boxes, out yeah. and put them in boxes and label them. Mm-hmm. And then what I also like to do is put in if it's like a schematic that's in progress, I'll put in like what is to do in in that box. So like you know like the USB. I'm like I need to route the USB or I need to figure out a chip for the communication or something like that. Yeah, no, notes are a, a big, big deal. Yeah. Um, so I actually, a probably pretty good picture with the, um, a pretty good picture will be like if I had an AB, like this is the pinheck schematic before I organized it and this is after, this is a big difference. Um, then I can actually start, you know, copy and pasting the compute module stuff because the compute module stuff is actually all, organ- all organized and looks really nice and so when I started copying it over I'm like oh I have no idea what's going on in this page because I haven't <laughs> looked at the pinheck schematic in like four years no three years um, beside- and then after that just like changing one thing like the battery holder got changed to a through hole part and changing out the audio connector because you know one the connector got end lifed so right but yeah cool and then today um which is tuesday we're actually recording this episode early um out on the floor they broke the last key for their hako station so the key on the hako station is basically a thing you insert into the machine so you can change the settings and the hako for those that don't know is a brand of soldering irons right an expensive brand 
moderately. It's not they're pretty expensive. Yeah, compared to like a Metcal or whatever. Well, or a JBC. Oh yeah, JBCs are ridiculous. Yeah, JBC, JBC, and Metcals are like the Ferrari and Lamborghini. Yeah, but they're awesome because they're, they're cause, well. There, there's two fundamental differences in how they work, like a Ferrari and a Lamborghini. How so? Between the the irons. Yeah, I'm. I'm so con- Metcal use the Curry effect, and and JBCs use a resistive element. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. So, okay. The uh, we we had a JBC in here for a while, like as in a test unit, right? Yeah. Uh, that was two years ago. Yeah, well, uh, that was a while ago. But uh, I remember it was crazy. You could you could log um, information. You could log what the user was was doing, such that like at the end of the day, I mean, this is for like big plants and stuff. Uh, if you wanted to see what temperatures they were using, you, like it would well, log it all would, that information. It actually stuff. could log. Because when it would, um, when you put the iron down onto a, a a lead, it would actually record how long you held it there, just from knowing the temperature sink. Because when you put the lead, your tip on it, there's a temperature drop, and so it would know basically how much longer you you put the tip down, and it would log how long you are soldering for. So you could be you can basically go back and say if people are you know compliance in whatever soldering technique you're using for. Uh, reliability purposes. Yeah, yeah. It Nancy was it was stuff. really cool, but it was it was multi thousand dollar soldering for a solder, one soldering station. Yeah, one yeah one station. But <laughs> I remember it went cold, and you'd pick it up, and it got hot within three seconds. Yes, uh, it was ridiculous. Metcals are the same way though. Um, they they since the Curry effect, it, it's instead of just resistive heat, it's a if I recall, it's basically like almost like microwaving the tip. You send out a frequency. Yeah, it's a high it. frequency. Yeah, yeah. So, you three D printed yeah, keys yeah, for a Hako yeah. so station. You have right? to have the key to change the temperature on these stations. Um, I guess it's to prevent people on the floor to from changing the numbers. Right, so they can't cheat. Yeah, so make they it super hot. Yeah, super hot. <laughs> so it solders like the ground plane faster. Where if you did that, it would actually damage the pad. Um. And so our last key broke that we got with these stations, and these stations we've bought used um, a couple years ago from an auction. And so I was like, huh, I wonder if we can 3D print one. Because I basically looked at the key, and it's just a piece of plastic. Right. Um, with it's a special, special shape on it. And I went on to Thingiverse and typed in Hacko Key, and of course one popped up. I downloaded it and printed it in 17 minutes, I think is what it took. Um, and 100% infill. Because it, how the key works is it just blocks a optocoupler in there. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So it has to be the right shape to fit into the slot, and then there's a groove that it has to fit in, and then if it just blocks the optocoupler, it Man, works. That, that almost sounds expensive for Hako to use something like that, you know? Well, wa- um, Weller uses magnetic. Hmm. You have a... Like a hall sensor? Yeah, a hall sensor. Well, more like a latching... Um, Magnetic read relay. Really? Yeah, that's what... At least on their lower-end stuff that Weller has. So if you just put a big enough magnet yeah. next to it, you can, yeah. you can do it. Yeah. They come with, like, the like the WES-51 51 stations, which is the low-end stations that Weller sells. You actually get this little pencil that's got a magnet on the end. Really? Yeah, so you can, like... That's cute. You can toggle the uh, lock on it. So, yeah, I printed that up, and it worked, and 
I printed up a couple more. So now everyone's got keys. Well, and those keys are not cheap. Yeah, the keys are... Hako wants $15 plus shipping for them, and I printed it in 17 minutes with, like, three cents of plastic. Yep. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. That's $15 for a piece of plastic. It's the Caterpillar model, right? You sell the... You sell the... the the big part at a regular price, and then all but the, the parts and the station, tips are super expensive. But the Hako tip is not, oh, Hako station is not cheap either. No, it's not. So I guess it's not the cat model. It's just no. everything's expensive. Yeah, everything's expensive. <laughs> oh, that's great. Actually, though, remember back um, when you broke your FR300 um, desoldering Hako station? Oh, gosh. Because the thing is, the parts for that are not that expensive. No, and you could build them from scratch. You can almost, almost build an entire one from scratch. Yeah, they're, 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 it's missing. It's missing the one part you that broke. I broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you can buy almost every part for that on their website, which yeah. is cool. I need to do that one day because that thing, that thing is awesome. Up. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's sitting well, at my shop. It, well, what happened was we actually used it here for a while too, and then we just, that's right. I, did, we I just, brought that in, yeah. and we ended up just buying one for the floor here right because it's such an awesome machine well and and it got tiring switching out tips because my tips are all leaded yeah we had to yeah we had to swap out for lead free ones right right yeah so yeah steven so that's what i've been doing yep what you've been doing uh so i found a really cool github i found this actually uh, months ago you found a really good github huh is yeah. it called github.com you know i you know what let's not go on a tangent on github i have some i don't know github's kind of weird but i uh, like github i know you do and what's weird about it uh, let's not go there right now because this could go for a really long time come on <laughs> maybe, not with maybe, it. We'll, maybe one day we'll have the github special go we don't have a lot of pals or rfos to go for it it's it's really it's it's great but a lot of people don't follow like a really um fixed method and 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 uh if if you get someone who goes and creates a project on GitHub and they don't know like a good way of project management or project documentation, then you just get a mismatch of all kinds of crap. And it's up to you to sift through all of their crap to find that you either want to or don't want to make their project. Okay. And basically they're not using the Wikipedia feature and the README feature of GitHub. Yes. Okay. yes, that's right. And a lot of people use GitHub as just a massive dump for all of their stuff. Yep. And they put it all in one repository. Instead of splitting it up. Instead of splitting it up and making it logical. Uh, it's The thing is, when, you, when you're doing a project like, like you know, that you really want to share on GitHub, break it up. Or, or you have to think about who's going to be looking at it and how they're going to be looking at it. Um, and if you really want people to do your stuff, make it really clear uh, because most people won't even give you five minutes. Yeah. You know, I, I, so that's just my, that's my rant. I could go a lot longer, but it's cause I've seen some GitHubs that are just freaking incredible. And some that are like the MacFab ones, crap. right? The MacFab one is good. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I like one, the first time I saw that, I was like, I can actually read this. I can, I can dig down to what I needed. And whenever I was putting things in GitHub, like, Parker taught me how, you know, uh, the macrofab method was. And I was like, this is easy and it makes sense. But some others are just like, oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> what I really don't like, well, what I like about how I use GitHub is for like a project for, let's say the Pinhack. Okay. Yep. Is I always make sure to have the hardware and the software. There's a lot of people argue you need to have them in separate repos, but I think you need to have them in the same repository. So the hardware and the firmware, basically, because they're married together. 
is the firmware is only going to work with that revision of hardware. Mm. And then when you make a new revision, you have to make sure the software is also up to date to work with that revision of hardware. Yeah. And so when you do a release, which is what um, GitHub calls like basically, I, I do a release with my hardware when I like basically get boards made. I'm like, that's a release. In, in hardware terms. And then basically when I do that, the software that's currently there gets packaged up with it and that there's a little package that you can download and know with that firmware is going to work on that board and that board's going to work. Yeah. Unless yeah. there's a green wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> right. And and so, yeah, if you want version two, go to the version two hardware firmware document uh, or page, page or whatever. Yeah. And all of two is right there. Right there. The Your method can potentially create a lot of copies of things. Yes. Uh, so I can see why people wouldn't like that, but it makes it really easy. Yeah. But so, some people also like to separate out, like hardware is different from software mm-hmm. in terms of what, how you update it and what kind of revision controls and stuff you use, which is understandable. Cause like while that board's being manufactured, you can be doing firmware changes. Of course. So, well, and GitHub feels very much like a software oriented thing it is uh and and because of that the hardware side of most projects are extremely lacking yes uh and and at 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 the very best you usually just get like here's an eagle board file or here's an eagle schematic file and it's kind of like the readme should basically say good luck Uh, (laughs) and then and then you go to their firmware folders and it's filled with crap and you could tell that they're spending all their time right there And, and and understandably a lot of projects require that but it's it's like to have a complete project, you need to have your documentation uh, e- easily readable and spread out in a way that makes sense. Uh, and and like this GitHub that I'm about to talk to, like this guy in his repo, he just has slash docs, and like you go there and. <laughs> practically everything is right there so it's like okay so i almost have to like create my own uh hierarchy structure of like okay i need this one i need this one and and he even has a part where it's like these are all the different variants of 3d printable things for different enclosures but sort of doesn't explain what enclosure they go to so i have to download them i have to measure them myself and then compare against stuff it's just poorly done so I don't know there's a lot of beef that goes on there. It's just like, ah, oh, it's like all the information is there. It just takes a little bit more time to say, Hey, this is for this. And this is for this. And and it's funny too, because, okay, well, I'll just, let me talk about it real quick. So I found this thing called the I spindle. Okay. I S P I N D E L. It's German. Yeah. I was about to say, is that German? Yeah. It's, it's German. <laughs> I spindle. Uh, it is a, uh, I guess a copy of a more commercially quote version of a, a Tilt hydrometer. Okay. And a hydrometer is a device that measures the density of a liquid. Uh, and this d- uses a unique method where it floats in the liquid. And based off of the density of the water, it actually will uh, change its angle on how the, a tube floats in there. Mm-hmm. And so you put a gyro and uh, inside of this tube and a Bluetooth or a Wi-Fi or whatever transmitter in there. And you can tell the density of water. This is meant for brewing, so when you when you put this device in your beer before yep. it's fermented, you can tell it what the density of the water is, and as it ferments, the thing will tilt further and further, and you can track. Does it have the a temperature sensor too? It does have a temp- so you, temperature so it will sensor. automatically compensate for for it, that. It does all of that, and it's all in a sealed tube. Uh, you just basically charge it, drop it in, 
and go to town. Yeah. So how long does really ba- cool. how long does the battery last? Uh, three months. Three months for this version. Uh, so the, uh, in in this version, so the the original Tilt one is Bluetooth enabled. Okay. Uh, so it actually lasts a whole lot longer because Bluetooth takes a lot less energy. But Bluetooth is great. However, I don't want to have to walk over to where my thing is fermenting and connect to it to find out things or get like a Bluetooth thing for my Raspberry Pi. So the iSpindle does basically the exact same thing, but it uses a uh, Wi-Fi module. Okay. So I can connect Probably an the, ESB, whatever it is. Uh, a Wemos D1 Mini. Oh, uh, which has that chip on it. Okay. Uh, so it's it's just a uh, development board for the ESP. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it uses that, and I, I like, I love that 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 system in there. Uh, so you, yeah, you basically just connect to it, uh, and you can start gathering data whenever. I can be at work and check my beer fermenting and the temperature at home. Uh, you I mean re- at work? Huh? You can check it at work. Well, yeah, I can at work. I can check it as it's fermenting at okay, home. Gotcha, kind of thing. Uh, and and on top of that, what's what's nice is uh, we were talking actually last week a little bit about or a lot of bit about uh, fermenting, and w- we were saying you can change the temperature to affect certain things. Well, that temperature needs to change at a certain point when the density is at whatever, yep. and that's hard to find unless you take samples and then you're wasting beer and stuff. With this, I can tell exactly when it reaches the time to change temperature. Hell, I could even have this automatically change my fridge's temperature. Regardless, I found this GitHub and I wanted to build some of these things, and. I can build four of these for the price of one of the tilt hydrometers. Yeah. So I decided to build a couple of them. And it uses a 18650 cell. Like actually, you gave me the SDL to print. It right. takes about three hours to print on my printer. Yeah. So I, I got this thing. They call it a sled. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's more of just like a board holder and uh, battery and holder has a, yeah. and a battery holder. So I was and I was wondering because when you put the battery in this thing, I was like, do you just like chunk it in there? And you're like, it goes in the enclosure. Yep. And so he wanted I, – I, this is what I think it goes into. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Because it's DIY. It's yeah. got to be simple. Yep. goes into a condom. <laughs> you know, you could probably – no, I don't think you could do that because a condom probably wouldn't float. I mean, it would float, but it, but it wouldn't uh, float the right angle. Ah, uh, because I think you just, like, you would just roll on, tie it off, and then, bam, it's waterproof. <laughs> Yeah, be cheap. The, yeah, you'd get all kinds of weird fluid lube and stuff in your <laughs> beer, and I don't know. <laughs> no, God, no. Uh, no, it does not go in a condom. You know, you know okay, so here, here's the thing that's funny. All the parts... I like that you're so serious about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all, the, all the parts for this project are super easy to source. Everything okay. can be done off of Amazon. Um, all the electronics, the, um, uh, the 3D printed part, Everyone has access now to a 3D printer, basically. So that's not that hard to get. The enclosure is ridiculously hard to get a hold of. And I'm actually a little bit annoyed at what enclosure they chose. So get this. It goes in what's called a PET preform, which is polyethylene terephthalene, which is plastic. Yep. Uh, It's a thermoplastic that is the preform, the pre-version of a two-liter bottle. So before a two-liter bottle is expanded and blown up into an actual two-liter, it it kind of looks like a condom. It's like a a big plastic tube with the screw on top. That'd be a hard condom. (laughs) So this this one goes in a five-liter tube. It might be another thing. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is derailing fast. (laughs) I mean, you're the... Whatever. You're the one who said it goes in a condom. 
that would work. Sort of. It's weird. Um, so regardless, it goes in this five liter preform. And the only place on earth that I can buy this is from a person in Lithuania from on eBay. Like, you can't go to Amazon and buy this. You can't you can, go down you the can street buy and buy the, it. You can buy the, um, tw- uh, the 20 ounce ones. Right, but this this is much bigger than yeah. that. Yeah, because you can buy the 20 ounce ones because that's actually what the um, White Labs, which makes yeast. Right. They come in a non-expanded... 20 ounce. That's right. Um, or I, I, Can you buy 20 ounce? Is it 60 now? It's they, 20. You can 20. still buy 20 ounce yeah, bottles? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they sell those, but those are smaller, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is the this is the extra, extra large is what they call it. It's for five liters. Basically a, a small carboy. Oh, um, interesting. So it's it's that size. And it's like, who, who the hell's going to have this? How, how's that fit into the neck of the carboy? Uh, it's that big. That We printed the one that is four the place that I bought it from. Gotcha. So, so people have done this plenty of times before, so this is the exact fit one. So it's kind of ridiculous. And the thing is, uh, those enclosures are, I shouldn't even call them enclosures, tubes, are really popular in geo, geo, geocaching. geocaching. Uh, they use them as like the logbook holders and yeah. stuff. You know, you could put them somewhere. I wonder if they use PET because, well, that's what normal cardboard's matter, but you yep. can use high-density plastic just fine. Yeah, it's it the whole sanitary and sealing thing. Yeah, is because uh, it's going to be in contact with the. Well, I mean, the, you can brew in regular, you know, buckets. Yeah, and that's that's a recycle number two, which is high density plastic. Blah blah blah. Right. It's not PET. Well, and I it, would, the only I would difference be... is the it's the only difference between those two really is the for brewing purposes is permittivity to oxygen. Right. So PET has a lot. I guess the. It's it's wrong to say this grain structure. I guess of the plastic is tighter. Mm. It's not grain structure because it's metal. But the what are the, the the fiber or how it's yeah the molecular level something like that is tighter, and so it allows less oxygen through. Whereas the regular high density plastic, like if you go to lo, like Home Depot and buy a Home Depot bucket, mm-hmm. that's you can buy food safe ones. They those will work. You just can't keep beer in it for like months. Oh, because it'll leach in. It'll, the oxygen it'll will oxidize. get in. But most of the time, you, you're brewing for, you know, Two four weeks. weeks at the most. Yeah, so right, right, right. Something in that range. Buckets. And that's actually the thing is I, I've been using those plastic cardboards that are PET, mm-hmm. and I've just gotten to the point where – because they actually wear out, if people don't know that. Yeah. They, they start to crack eventually. Yeah. I've, I've actually – nasty, too. Yeah, and I've been just going back to buckets. It's just so much cheaper and easier to clean. Glass. Glass is great. Till you drop it. Well. I, I, I did that once, so I had one fall off the counter. So Full of beer? No, I just cleaned it, and it just rolled off. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. That really sucks. So I just went, I, then I got the PET buckets or uh, bottles, and then I'm going to the buckets because it's just so much faster. It's well, so much easier to clean. And, you know, the thing is, I really wish I could have gone with something else, but all of the calculations for the actual tilting is based off the weight of this tube and the shape of this tube. So it's kind of like you are forced to use yeah. this tube. I would have gladly used something else. But it's like, oh my gosh. So I had to order some crap from Lithuania. Which, you know, it's funny. I spent $13 buying four of these tubes and then $11 shipping them. Uh, so it's not it's not that bad or anything, but it's still just like, oh. I wish I could just get something off of Amazon. Prime. <laughs> well, and Amazon has these things. They just don't have the extra large ones. Ah. So it sucks. But yeah, yeah. so that's what I've been doing. 
GitHub ranting and eye spindling. Yeah. Good thing you did that GitHub rant, though. People probably find that interesting. I'm sure we could do a lot more. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're known for that. <laughs> All right. So we got on the pick of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, we got two of them. Two of them this week. Uh, one is a 100-watt water-cooled LED flashlight, or light, I guess. And the other one is the Overkill Solar Battery USB Charger. And I picked both of these because these are kind of projects I've been wanting to try to tackle on the MEP. And these have, basically, we can start out with these projects and, like, expand on them and make them awesome. So are we going to make a solar battery USB charger that powers a 100-watt water-cooled LED? No. <laughs> um, so on the first one, the water-cooled LED light. Um, I can't remember the guy's YouTube channel. Um, we'll have the link, though. Is basically, he took a 100-watt LED module and slapped a CPU uh, water-cooling unit on the back of like it. Like a glycol one? Yeah, that goes inside your computer. Yeah. And then designed a power supply and all that good stuff and then made it a decent looking box. And yeah, it works pretty well. So he can run a hundred watt continuous? Continuous. Oh, geez. That's ridiculous. It goes through, you know, it's got a water cool loop and it dumps into a 120 millimeter radiator fan. That's crazy. Yeah. And, excuse me. He's got a little bendy arm on it, so he can move the... So the base unit's like a brick. It looks like a computer power supply. And then it's got a, a gooseneck, so he can move the LED around. Really? Yeah. Wow. What what gauge wire is he, is he using to pump 100 watts through there? I mean, it looks like 16, 18 gauge. Really? What, uh, do, you know, uh, do you know what the voltage of the, bat, uh, the nah, LED was? Nah, I didn't It'd be interesting to, uh, to look at that. Because I bet you it's just a ton of current, right? It's going to be low voltage and... Boatloads of current. Um, I think this modules actually take like eighteen something volts. Oh, okay. So they they, they stack up a bunch of yeah LEDs inside the module. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. And so what I wanted to do is is do this, a similar thing, but make it more ruggedized because his is kind of very aesthetically pleasing. Okay. So it's designed to look nice. Um. So we're gonna design it to not look nice. Well, no, it can look <laughs> nice, but it needs to be able like. One of the ideas someone gave me on a Slack channel was to make it like a, a thing you can like slot onto the front of the Jeep. And so if when you go off-roading, you can just clip it in and then hook it into the power of the Jeep. And then you have like the power of the suns in front of your Jeep so you can see everything. you got to watch out because uh, game wardens can catch you for that, right? For spotlighting? Uh, well, that's not for... We're not going to use it for hunting. Okay. I want it for like when you're driving on the beach at night and stuff. Oh, I got you. To yeah. illuminate the entire beach? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Get like four of them. <laughs> how many? How many watts of sunlight hit the Earth continuously? I have no idea. It's probably a lot. Yes, more than a hundred watts. It's more than hundred watts. <laughs> um, he says this is a thousand I- watt. Iris, will you look that up? <laughs> yeah, he says it's a thousand watt equivalent, which makes sense. What? What? It, hey. I, so what, the the LED module burns a hundred watts. Or that's how much it takes. Whereas. LED, when you b- go to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever and buy an LED bulb, they tell you the equivalent filaments. Oh, oh like okay. Like a 60-watt LED, uh, LED light bulb only burns like 11. I thought you were saying like the, the LED burned 100, but it put out 1,000. No, like, no, 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 no. We need it's, to look further into it's that. It's basically a 1,000-watt equivalent. Okay. So it's not like a 100-watt light bulb. It's like a 1,000-watt light bulb. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. My, my, my wife put uh, 100 watt bulbs in our living room and I absolutely hate them. She put like three of them <laughs> in um, that little room? In, in our little room. So you turn it on and it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. And, like, come on. We need like 40 watts total. 
Yeah. <laughs> Total. <laughs> we don't need 300 watts when you turn on the light. <laughs> She she comes back from being on vacation. You replace it with like a fifteen watt, and you're like a troll now. <laughs> and she turns the light on, and you go. <laughs> Turn the light off. Light it, off. it burns. <laughs> Something like that. Iris just made a face at us. She yeah yeah. No, no. Oh okay we uh let's see here. Okay the solar flux in, intercepted by the Earth is one point three seven kilowatts per meters squared so a lot more than a hundred watts yeah <laughs> that actually that number sounds kind of weird because that number seems like a whole lot more than i would expect well that's i it yeah well said iris <laughs> well it's 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 an energy density is talking about right so yeah not just like how much power it's putting out sure yeah a lot that's a lot. It is the sun. Yeah, it is the sun. Okay. Overkill solar battery USB underscore charger. Yeah, so this is a really cool project um, because he did a lot of, like, pre-engineering work. Like, this is, like, if 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 you did this for, like, your senior design project, it's, like, you, get, you get a triple A. A triple A. <laughs> you get A's in all the other classes that you're Yeah, failing. exactly. Yeah. Like... You you got th- you hey, got. Do you think his GitHub is really nice? I have no idea. Probably. I, I just looked at his website and it's really nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, if this was a senior design project, it'd be epic. Um, he has he has all his pre planning, his theory of operation stuff, and then he does an LT Spice simulation uh, s- simulation of every of the whole thing, including the solar panels, the DC DC converters, all that stuff, and then he has performance of reality versus the simulation as well like comparing it and the fact that his real life stuff is actually outperforming the simulation stuff because the basically lt spice doesn't didn't do a really good job for his dc dc converter like the model is more efficient it's it's more efficient in real life than it is in the model which is i guess a good thing it's usually what you hope for yeah i mean you you typically don't want your DC DC converter being less, less efficient. Yeah. I did do a project once where I had to have a DC DC converter do some really wacko stuff, and in some situations I was more than happy with it being like thirty percent efficient because I was like, it's actually working. That's all I need in this <laughs> in this case. So that and he made a really nice three D printed box. Everything's mm-hmm. really well laid out. You mean he he just engineered the whole thing? Like oh did yeah, a, it's a real amazing. engineering job. Yeah. Um. Just how the project's laid out is is like how you were complaining about that GitHub thing. This is I'm impressed at how well out this project <laughs> yeah. was laid out. The opposite of how I feel with, with yeah. This, so. Um, and what I want to expand with this was we're going to talk about Hurricane Harvey again. Um, is I had this really awesome USB power brick basically. It has a bunch of lithium batteries in it. Um, battery boosters, what other people call them too, and it's great. Like it. It could run my Google Pixel phone for three days straight at 100%. And I'm like, basically, the only thing I can do at home is sweat and watch YouTube videos. So you're just hammering. So I'm just like watching. I get home and like get a cold drink and then watch YouTube videos. That's that's all you could do when there's no power for a whole week. (laughs) Um, So I would like to make a better power brick like he did. I don't need the solar part. All I, and the only thing 
that was bad. I guess I should explain why I want to build something like this. Is the power brick I have is great at powering up devices, but it's terrible at charging. Like, because I'd come to work, plug it into the wall, and by the end of the day, after eight hours, it's still not even fully charged. Hmm. It's like maybe gone up 10%. So it takes forever for that power brick to charge. And so what I want to do is have a power brick that charges in like an hour. Okay. So I want to be able to plug it in the wall and just like, you know, Juice it. You, you plug in the wall and the lights go vroom, vroom, <laughs> and it charges up. And I want to do, um, instead of flat packs, I want to do 18650s. And so if you need an 18650 cell, you can just pop it open, pull one out and basically have everything in parallel mm-hmm. and then have load balancing, all that good stuff built right. in. And then, you know, have a monster lithium, basically one of those um, RC-style lithium battery chargers that's in the unit. And so you basically just plug it in the wall, and it's like, as it charges up. <laughs> it actually makes that noise. Put a speaker in it. Yeah, it and vibrates. And just record yourself doing yeah, the, that. The flow of electrons causes the vibrate itself. <laughs> Be something out of, like, Back to the Future, Yeah, basically. I was just about, yeah, Back to the Future, right? <laughs> you have to have a variac on it. Oh, and, like spool it up oh yeah or it sucks uh, because yeah (laughs) that'd be stupid (laughs) (laughs) all right cool so that's what i would i would expand on that okay um so the rfo is kind of an interesting one it's a question kind of like a couple weeks ago where we had the question that chris church asked us which is you know who would win in a fight a uh who's more efficient a a astronaut or a uh, engineer with an astronaut helmet on or a caffeinated squirrel which was just a secret way of saying who's more efficient chris church or parker Dillman. yeah exactly <laughs> um so this one is from zap from the slack channel so we have a slack channel go and join it uh link below in the comment section in the comment section and his question is would you rather have your evil engineering lair a thousand feet underwater or in an active volcano and he said, assume that you already solved this, the environmental problems. Okay. Okay. I actually want to, like, kind of explore on that and, like, what kind of engineering challenges do both places have. Okay. As well. Because I'd like to back it up a little bit and not just assume that. Um, but, yeah. So, wh- how would you wh- – if you could pick which one, which one would you pick? I would probably pick a 1,000 feet underwater. Yeah. Uh, I would certainly do that because I hate the heat. I hate heat <laughs> in like every possible way. I live in one of the hottest places on earth. It sucks. Uh, but I hate it so much that even if like, oh, the harsh environments are there, like I'd still have to be around it at some point yeah. in time and be like, this sucks. Uh, so like cold, dark, and dank is awesome. So <laughs> dank. like uh, un- underneath the, a thousand feet underneath the water sounds a whole hell of a lot. C Lab, C Lab Steven edition. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I would do. It depends. It would depend, but I don't think they have um, geological vents a thousand feet under. You have to go deeper. What in a uh, volcano? No, no, in under the water. Oh, okay. Geological vents happen deeper. I don't think there's any shallow thousand feet. It's not shallow, but that, there's none that that shallow. I have no idea. I know either. Maybe. So I was thinking in the volcano because you basically have limitless energy. Well, until the you know Earth stops rotating, basically. <laughs> but you basically have infinite energy there as geological source, so you can do. So you can have the most badass air conditioner, 
and keep yourself cool. <laughs> and then you have plenty of power left over to do whatever you want. Sure, sure. Yeah. I just tap into the uh, the water. Well, but it's cold. Yeah, but you could the motion. The motion of the ocean. The motion of the ocean, baby. <laughs> Doesn't matter so the size to, of the volcano. So, <laughs> so you have to have a uh, you can you can title then. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Oh, I got an idea for that. What if? Because I don't know how strong the currents are, but if you had a a buoy and then a rigid cable that was attached to the flywheel, and so as it's going up and down in the in the uh, from the rolling waves, it's turning. You know, turning the motor down down yeah, below that, that would work. work. Yeah, I wonder how much more efficient that would be. Maybe not. I have no idea. I, I would also think it would be. But you have to combat barnacles and crap too. Nah, they, that's harsh environment stuff, and you've already you've already overcome that. Is what he says here. See, the thing is also like getting getting water seems a whole hell of a lot easier if you're a thousand yeah, feet under it than if you're true. in a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to watch out for like mega mega shark though. Uh, Megalodon? Yeah, Megalodon versus uh, giant octopus or giant squid. That, that was a, yeah. They, uh, we have that movie, but we don't have more Firefly. Yeah. You, <laughs> that again. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that. Yeah. I, I will keep saying what, that. What if Sharknado shows up, man? Which one? Sharknado 1, 2, or 3? <laughs> or or Firefly 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, and, okay, so what would be in a Parker engineering layer. Um, you'd have to drive your Jeep into a volcano. That's badass. <laughs> <laughs> you get to go on an adventure every single time you go to your lair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what would be in a, in a Parker Dillman layer? Engineering um, layer. so, you know, all the typical electronic equipment, all that stuff. I probably would have my own assembly line. So I'd have minions, you know, running the assembly line. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Um, CNC shop, all that good stuff. Um, and then, of course, you have to have the doomsday weapon. Okay. Because you have to, that's that's the only way you can be feared, as a as a you as know a true ha- engineer, a, a true evil engineer. Oh, okay. I didn't know this, this was e- an evil engineer. It has to be an evil engineer. Oh, it does layer. say it. Okay. The, yeah. No, Zep said your evil engineering layer. Yeah. Okay. So you I'm have to sorry. have the doomsday weapon. Okay, I, 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 I may have missed that earlier because evil engineering layer yeah. needs to be in a volcano. <laughs> yeah, needs to be in a volcano. Because <laughs> that's the thing is, what you could do is send, like, a crazy electrical pulse down through the magma and then, like, boom! And that's your doomsday weapon. Hmm. That prevents people from, like, messing with you. Or you, you have some kind of magnetic containment weapon where you just launch lava anywhere. That would be awesome. A railgun that shoots lava? That's right. I actually, I bet you though, if you just took, if you had figured out how to launch a rock out of a, out of a railgun, it would turn to lava because it's from the friction. If, if you could, I suppose. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure if you launch the because that it was recently the Navy had that video where they're shooting stuff with their new railgun. Yeah, like eight years ago. No, no, there's a new video, and they're like, this is actually like the practical version of it now. Because they can not, shoot more than one, one round. That needed like a power bank the size of a city. Yeah, now it's like the size of like three supercarriers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's the first one that they got that can actually shoot multiple rounds without basically failing. Yeah, because they destroy themselves yeah. effectively. Uh, well, because what it, it the, how the railguns work is basically two metal rods that stick out of it, yeah. and then 
you put a piece of metal that shorts a bazillion amps and a bazillion volts, and okay. it accelerates out. Thing that's crazy about them too is uh, they're actually they're independent for the most part. They're independent on uh, of the um, velocity of the the projectile going into the gun. So if you shoot the projectile into the railgun, it picks up from that velocity, whatever yep. it is. So uh, you know, you shoot a bullet into it, whatever that speed is, it goes from there. So if you keep stacking railguns, yeah, it's railguns all the way down. Right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, in in one of the old railgun videos, the projectile is going fast enough it ignites the air. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If you could figure out how to shoot a rock, then it would turn into lava as it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be a lot easier on the on the gun probably, and on transporting and storing. Think about it, you, like. Just having to store lava to use as ammunition. <laughs> I guess you can just suck it out of the out of the well, volcano. Yeah. Now it's now it's kind of feeling like a, uh, like a bad Bond movie. Yes, where where you have to have okay. You you said you'd have a CNC yeah. in there. Your CNC has to have like a really badass laser on it. Oh, but it has to travel really really, really slow. slow. So you could put Bond on it, but like it's moving at like a tenth of an inch a second yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. So. He has time to get away. No, you, you have to have it has to have time for you to explain your entire master plan, why Bond is stupid, and how you're going to get away with it, and then he <laughs> and then you leave. Yeah, and then like ten minutes later, Bond gets away and then gets you. Wait, wait, no, no. <laughs> you know how it would go? Where's if, my if, check for the next Bond plot? Right. If it's a, if it's an <laughs> evil doctor, that's the way it goes. But if it's an evil engineer, you would have him strapped to the table. Oh, you just turn and, it on. Boom. No, 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 no. What would happen is 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 he would be on the table, and you'd be like, "Hang on, I got to program this." And you like you like figuring it all out, and it's like it like goes a wrong direction, cuts a wrong leg off, and you're like, "Shit, I didn't mean for it to do that. Let me re-zero it." And you're programming it again. It. And by the end of it, when you want to run the actual program, he's all chopped up into a ton of different pieces this is already... that you didn't want. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it would happen in engineering. Before you even monologue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, the program's off. <laughs> Let me yeah. restart. So why? What? So you said an an evil layer has to be in a volcano. Yeah. Okay. How could we make a a lab that's underwater that's evil? Uh, laser sharks. I mean, that's already been laser done. Laser sharks. But, that's already been done. Yeah, laser um, sharks. But your doomsday weapon could be you can boil the entire sea. That's yeah. You could you could <laughs> <laughs> just just you just heat up the uh, entire all ocean. water. All you just everywhere. Like yeah. someone just pours a cup of water and you turn the machine on and it goes. <laughs> You convince the core of the Earth to vibrate at a microwave frequency, and it boils the whole Earth. I think it would boil everything, including people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. We're mostly water. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Boil, boiling, <laughs> boiling boil the, the sea. Yeah. yeah, boil the sea. Or, or just have all the fish evolve very quickly and, like, grow legs and then just go kill everyone, something like I'm that. I'm imagining, like, on that one, like, the show, was it uh, – What's the Alaskan show where they go crab fishing? Um, yeah, I, it's one of those reality TV shows, and they go fishing basically. It's in Alaska. probably Alaskan crab fishing, or yeah, whatever. something like that. Something like that. But anyways, they're doing that, and like you turn the device on, and like all the crabs like pull out shanks and start <laughs> stabbing the fishermen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd air it. They'd put that on TV. Oh yeah. yeah, but it's like it happens on like a documentary cop show, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you'd be more like Aquaman, well, evil Aquaman. 
Yeah, it, you wouldn't it, be you know, evil you, engineer. It wouldn't. It wouldn't work out to have all fish. You would have to pick one, like crabs. Like crabs would be your thing, you know, <laughs> where you send like all the crabs, like if for no reason, and and of course you would have to like walk sideways or something like that. You'd have a bum leg that always made you walk sideways, so you're a crab man now or something yeah. like that, like a weird crab dude. Uh, so, but but all of that is yeah. That's not so much engineering unless like your whole oh no, it's got to be like um. Remember the old old Batman movie where the uh, the the big boat is a penguin and the little feet oh, like yeah. flap in the water. We're talking about the sixties Batman. The sixties yeah. Batman movie, yeah, that, that absolutely terrible. But Robin yeah, hand me the like shark repellent. Ah! <laughs> the best thing about that scene, I about to post the scene is like there Robin's in that bat copter, right? Oh, they have multiple repellents. Yeah, multiple <laughs> repellents with different animals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and the fact that Batman has like a, a three-ton animal hanging on his leg. Yeah, it's just, it's just like <laughs> flailing. Yeah, it does it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, uh, so good. So this this, uh, this is another tangent. Same movie though. Yeah. The only bad thing about that movie is when Batman's when Wayne is Wayne. Oh yeah. When he's the Batman, original Bruce Wayne. Yeah. yeah he's when terrible. he's. Um, I mean, it's all terrible. But. Yeah. Um, Adam West who passed away earlier this year. Um, when he's playing Wayne, those are like the worst parts of that movie. But when he's Batman, it's absolute gold. It, is which it, is like half the movie. Just is cut it that half movie, the movie. Or, that's the movie where he has the bomb over his head, yeah. right? When he's running around, and yeah, can't and, get rid of it anywhere. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, because he like he's running around with this giant, like basically comic style bomb, which is like you know big round bomb, black bomb with like a fuse that's lit yeah. hanging out the top, and he's just like, some days you can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> Oh, that's just—it's so terrible. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's enough tangents. I think <laughs> tangents. I think <laughs> this episode—we're really good at that. Yeah. Um. So that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Parker Dillman and Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you would want Stephen and I to discuss, tweet us at MacFab or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, especially on iTunes, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest map episode right when it releases, and please review us on iTunes. It helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us. Later, everyone.